0: We wanted to start a conversation and start a community where we would go on a mission to celebrate and to learn from designers, leaders, researchers, and thinkers who create digital experiences that matter. My name's David Whited. I'm the director of the CX Practice at Highland, a digital experience agency in Chicago, Illinois. Here at Highland, we research, design, and build digital products and experiences for customer-centric companies and mission-driven organizations.
1: I'm Mike Nowak. Product strategist.
2: And I'm Carissa Shelton, lead experience designer.
0: Welcome to experiences that matter. Welcome everybody to the very first episode of experiences that matter. Uh, we are recording here in the city of Big Shoulders, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> um, I know that uh, we all have our favorite monikers for the city of Chicago. Mine is City of Big Shoulders. Carissa, what do you have a favorite? Uh, oh. Are you a windy city person? No, I,
2: I, I don't have a good answer for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike, you have a favorite. I mean,
2: I love, uh, I love me some Chicago, but yeah. You
1: know, I, I feel like I'm not even allowed to chime in on this because I live in the suburbs you are not, and, yeah. and, it's... and, and the two of you who are from Arkansas and Pennsylvania, even though I've lived in the Chicago area my whole life, don't know, don't know a thing about the city. Cause I don't Yeah, but
0: there. we, we live in the city. So, yep. uh, so
1: I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm just going to defer to you two as the Chicago experts. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think that's yes, probably right. Thank you. So, Finally. so we are joining. Uh, we're joining <laughs> today from the city of Big Shoulders, uh, Chicago, Illinois, and uh, it's great to have you with us uh, for this very first episode of the Experiences That Matter podcast. All of us spend most of our days thinking about launching new things into the world. And one of the hazards of that kind of work is that you're always, every type of digital experience or every type of customer experience that you have, you're always thinking a little bit more deeply about it. Uh, you're typically thinking about it a little bit more deeply than the people around you that are experiencing it. And one of the things we've noticed is that, uh, that in this world, um, we often find that the experiences or the digital tools or the digital solutions or the applications that are glamorized are the really successful digital products that, have succeeded by hacking into the worst impulses of human nature. Uh, Our president likes to joke about like, you know, I'm glad that we don't spend our lives helping figure out ways to get people to watch more TV. Uh, We are thinking of experiences that matter as experiences, whether they're digital or otherwise that solve real human problems and really help people flourish. And so, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be recording lots of different interviews with people from uh, from uh, for-profit companies and also mission-driven organizations that we believe have really created uh, powerful experiences that matter in the world. We're going to be talking to leaders. We're going to be talking to designers. We're going to be talking to researchers um, to hear what it takes uh, to really uh, create digital experiences that matter in the world that make a difference. And so we thought it'd be fun to start off this first podcast by um, taking some time for each of the co-hosts. I I think it'd be good for for you all to get to know us a little bit. Uh, And taking some time for each of the co-hosts to talk about um, an experience that they've had recently, uh, that they would say, this is an experience that matters. This is an experience that made a difference. And so, uh, Mike, I think we'll start with you. Um, if you want to just talk a little bit about um, an experience that you've had lately that you think would sort of meet the criteria that we're talking about for experiences that matter.
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So um, I have picked for mine, uh, there's a company called Azure standard and what they are is um, it's an e-commerce platform basically for buying uh, or basically it's organic food, right? So, um, Ba- the reason they're kind of unique is that uh, their whole model of delivery is through uh, what are called these drops. So they've structured their whole customer base into these geographically uh, located drops where a, a, basically a semi truck comes through a route and, uh, and has all these different stops through the Midwest. So I place my order on the website. And instead of it being door to door shipping, it's uh, that is an option they offer, but it's really not their main thing. Instead of it being door to door shipping, what they do is, uh, is give you a drop schedule. So they let you know when your drop is going to be. And uh, it's actually kind of funny, because it it, we always joke that it always looks like kind of an illicit drug deal, because what it is, is a group of people, (laughs) usually in minivans, waiting around (laughs) in an an abandoned JC Penney parking lot um un- unloading sacks of of grain and things like that from a uh from a unmarked white semi truck uh so <laughs> it's, it's what what i like about this is this is not you know david mentioned kind of like the you know the the people who you know have create these like kind of the sexier experiences than and are the famous ones, right? Is, is this is actually in a lot of ways a really analog customer experience. They have, they have really uh, taken the, this notion of like making organic food affordable and accessible uh, and still relatively convenient, uh, you know, kind of to a, to a different level. So that, that's one, what I really love about that. I can, I can tell that as an organization, it's something they care about and they have structured their organization and their customer experience around it. Um, on top of that, they also do a great job with creating a sense of community amongst amongst people so when they organize you into drops there's a drop coordinator i've actually served as the drop coordinator for ours and uh you know you interact with the other customers and we kind of help each other out so if someone can't make the drop the drop coordinator will take their food and uh just arrange for another time for them to come pick it up
0: yeah mike you've i mean you've t- we've talked about them and we've had conversations about them you've you've alluded to, like there's you can tell that something is an operation behind the scenes that's just a little, little larger or deeper than the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I've, I've heard you talk about that as like sort of a defining thing for you as a way that you think about experiences that matter.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, this is, this is going to be admittedly a little non-scientific here. Um, but (laughs) I, I feel like there's, there's kind of this gut check I do where I can tell that like an organization does something because they're committed to it as a as opposed to um, it being is like it, this helps us move units right mm-hmm. um, now obviously there's kind of a fine line between those two things because things that create great experiences definitely move units right and um, if the
0: units are good units yeah. right we want them we want them to move right yeah. like if they're good units <laughs> yeah, yeah nothing wrong sure. with moving nothing no. wrong with moving good units.
1: No no yeah. not not at all not at all. So of course Azure is a for profit company, but you can tell they've taken in some ways, like an intentionally hard road uh, to, to fight like the standardization in the food system, the way that mm-hmm. there's less diversity, the, you know, um, and in fact that you actually see it in their supply chain a little bit, cause they will, they will send newsletters out about like, Hey, we're having a hard time getting this in, in our warehouses. Here's why. And they actually give us as their customers, a little bit of insight into some of the difficulties that are in the food supply chain. Um, things that have been really heightened, of course, by, you know, recent events with, with COVID-19, but, but they've been talking about these things for years, actually. Wow. Mm Yeah.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Krista, what about, what about you? Um, An an experience that matters for you?
2: Yeah. You know, the, the first thing that I thought of uh, kind of surprised me because it was several years back. I remember um, a friend of mine who um, also is interested in just like, Beautiful design and aesthetics. Uh, he approached me and said, Hey, there's this furniture store that you can go to downtown Chicago, and they have a restaurant and a cafe, and you can like grab a drink and just like hang out and chill on the furniture. And it's like five stories and it's beautiful. Um, and when he told me that, I um, admittedly thought he was crazy because <laughs> I was like, A furniture store? Like, <laughs> um, uh, how exciting could, could that be? But then I went and I, I checked it out I had like a Saturday morning free and uh, it was a gorgeous summer day in Chicago. And I went and uh, this store is called Restoration Hardware, um, which since has been rebranded RH. Um, and so maybe you've heard of them, um, but they do, you know, furniture and, and interior design. Um, but I, I, I went and I, I checked it out and, you know, the kind of walking in the Impression that I had was that of being invited into a like wealthy friend's home (laughs) and being shown immense hospitality. But I was ushered very quickly to towards the back of the store where there was a cafe and I was encouraged to get myself a mimosa and, <laughs> and take it I mean, to go. you're,
0: you're kind of, they kind of had you at get they, yourself they a mimosa. Had me mimosa I okay. mean, anybody, you all don't know Chrissy yet, but if they, they, but they definitely had her at get yourself a mimosa.
1: One hundred percent. Thinking what, a, yeah. what an interesting sales uh, situation where, where the yeah. people coming in to buy things are drinking. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> I mean, totally. I think that
0: might be the key to moving units is yeah, yeah, the mimosas. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new key to moving units. We heard it here yes, first, yeah. folks.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I think it's worth to note though as well that I I think at this point I was finishing uh, college downtown Chicago, and so I I was pretty clearly like a poor young person. Like <laughs> I did not have the money to to buy uh, you know couches that are like seven thousand plus, or you know things like that. Um, and so I think that's part of what's like the whole time I was there, I kept waiting for someone to tell me that I wasn't supposed to be there, that I was this Mm. like imposter, that there was no way for me to be able to afford all these really beautiful things I was surrounded by. There was also this, uh, gorgeous restaurant, like smack dab in the middle, which is a, a very bizarre and surprisingly delightful experience. Again, like I was... You know, in my mind, this was just a furniture store. And yet here was this, you know, beautiful um, indoor restaurant with like trees and lots of natural light and all these things. Um, And so as I was walking around, I began to like spot groups of people who were just hanging out on the furniture. Um, Some were clearly having business meetings. Um, Some were just on their laptops, you know, doing work or studying who also looked like students like I was. And I just sat there, and I had a book with me, and I got my book out, so it looked like I was doing something <laughs> and I drank my mimosa and um and was just kind of people watching and um probably like three or four times, someone came up to me again each time me getting ready to like pack my things and go, um but each time they were like, "How do you do it? You need anything else? like can I get you anything?" um so again, it was these salespeople, but they were in no way like. Making me feel uncomfortable, they were like welcoming them, welcoming me into their uh space, their home of sorts um, and so it, it really made an impression on me and um to this day, I have gone back there a lot I've gone on low key dates there I've taken girls there for like a girl's brunch, or you know things like that so yeah when i when I think about experiences that matter, I think it so often boils down to like a sense of connection and a sense of meaning and feeling valued um and so i think it's really amazing that a a design company or a furniture company like that um would intentionally design this uh holistic experience that seemed to be really all about that human connection and creating space in those moments um for people to feel like they matter um and in that to imagine what it might be like to one day own that furniture <laughs> but um without that pressure of feeling sold to or sort somehow like en- entrapped into this um this like yeah heavy-handed sales experience so yeah so that is like inspiring and just beautiful to me and um i think it's a, one of those experiences that i think really matter
0: well um i'll go ahead and and uh, tell my story about experiences that matter couple of years ago, um, we uh, m- bought a new house, uh, moved to the north side of Chicago, and it was pretty traumatic uh, for our kids. They had to change schools. They're they're younger, and uh, it was kind of a whole new neighborhood, whole new part of the city. Uh, they were really excited about it, but the change, they moved in a new neighborhood at the beginning of the summer. They didn't have any friends yet, and mm-hmm. um, during that time, I actually had, had to go to the emergency room. I had a gallbladder attack. I didn't know what it was at the time. And I went to the emergency room for that gallbladder attack and went uh, pretty late at night. I think it was probably about nine o'clock at night. And over the course of the night, I, I didn't have a room because the emergency room I went to was completely packed and I was staying, I was out in the hall on a, on a gurney and I was in quite a bit of pain and I was, uh, didn't know what was happening. And um, they actually at the hospital, uh, they actually Put a, a convict who was chained to his to his hospital bed, um, like re- right next to me, and um, I was struck up a conversation with him. Uh, but it was just a really, really long, bizarre night. So I got back. I got back home, found out what was wrong with me, and the next day, uh, my kids were playing in the backyard, and we had a hammer out because I was working on some things, and my five-year-old daughter uh, grabbed the hammer from her big brother and pulled on it. And he tried to get it away from her and pulled the claw of the hammer back into his upper lip. And so um, I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to take him to the emergency room. And I really didn't want to do it because of the experience I had just had. And so I texted a picture uh, to, one of my, to one of my best friends who's a doctor. And I said, hey, what do you think about this? And he said, yeah, I think you need to take him. It looks pretty deep. And so I made the decision to take him uh, to drive downtown and uh, take him to Lurie Children's Hospital, the emergency room, which I'd actually ne- we'd never taken any of our kids to the children's hospital, but we do quite a bit of work with a children's, a major children's hospital system here in the Midwest. And I thought, you know what, this would be really different. So my son was really nervous um, about going to the emergency room. And I, I kind of talked to him. I was like, Hey, we just got to go, you know, let's just go. We'll just have them look at it. We'll have him check it out. And so when we got there, like, I realized that the designed experience of the emergency room that was designed for him was just completely different than the emergency room experience that I had just had. And I was really grateful because he was um, really anxious to start with. Um, And when we went in um, from the whole check-in process, uh, from how easy it was to check in um, and how sort of personal they were with him and the way that they related to him and engaged with him and the way that they engaged me, um, in the check-in process all the way to being, uh, you know, taken to the waiting area where there was, you know, it was clearly designed for children, but clearly designed for reducing anxiety. There was a massive wall of, uh, an aquarium wall where there were all these fish. Um, and I know a lot of research has shown that just watching fish actually lowers your blood pressure. Um, and they had this massive wall of fish and he was totally engaged with that. I think there was a little cartoon network going on at the same time. And, uh, then from the way that the, the nurse came and got us, um, and took us back to the exam room, um, the entire experience was just, you could tell designed to reduce his anxiety and, and my anxiety too. Um, and I asked him, uh, this morning as we were thinking about this, I said, Hey buddy, you remember when you went to the emergency room? I said, you know, how was that experience for you? And he said, it was really different than I, than I expected it to be. And I, and I said, well, what'd you expect it to be? And he said, well, I expected there would be machines all over the room and lots of beeping and people running around. So he had this sort of idea of emergency room um, in his head from TV shows, I guess he's watched. And I said, but what was it like? What was it not like that? And he said, no, it wasn't like that at all. He said everybody was really friendly and there was that wall of fish and they saw us really quick. And he said, I was, I was really scared when we went in, but by the time I was there for a little bit, I wasn't scared anymore. And so that, that to me, um, that sort of uh, designed experience around what is such a high anxiety um, experience for a lot of parents and kids. um, I was just really grateful for that experience and kind of came away thinking, came away from it thinking, I'm grateful for the people that are behind this experience. I'm grateful for all the people that thought through every detail of every interaction, um, because we really needed that type of, uh, you know, low anxiety um, situation. Uh, So I came away from it really grateful. We're looking forward to introducing all of our listeners to a wide variety of leaders, creatives, and researchers, and designers who create these kinds of experiences. And we want to make sure that if you have a particular experience that you think matters, that you'd like to recommend, that you think we should focus on in an upcoming podcast, we can provide you with contact information in the future show so you can send those ideas our way. Today's episode was hosted by me, David Whited, Mike Nowak, and Carissa Shelton. Editing by Daniel Santrella, original music by Daniel Santrella and Tyler Edders, cover art by Teresa Berg and Bridget Colling, Katie Sue Fisher does our scheduling administration and Andreana Pacella is our beloved producer. For more information on Highland, visit our website at highlandsolutions.com or connect with us on Twitter at, at Highland Chicago.